Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. So the business world... If you say the word green, no matter how good you say the word green, people are going to be like, what the heck does that have to do with us? You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. So today we're talking about storytelling and particularly how you can tell a good story and how you can use that in your leadership context. It's possible and even probable that you sometimes find it difficult to create interesting and relevant stories to tell others based on your own life experiences. And sure, we have those trips and we have those highlights of our life that stick out to us, but what if you could figure out how to tell a story that was meaningful that you could draw from everyday experiences. That's one of the things we're going to be talking about today. And then also how you can really make that be a high impact message for your audience. In just a second, I'm going to share with you a little bit more about who's going to be joining us behind the mic to share this with us. But first, do you want to accelerate your leadership success? There's a way you can do that for free, and it's called the MindScan. This assessment is an inventory based on the Nobel-nominated Hartman Value Profile, and it measures your capacity to make value judgments concerning you and the world around you. Instead of simply understanding how you behave, it objectively measures why you behave the way you do. Align your thinking strengths with your leadership goals by applying to take the MindScan today. All you need to do is apply by emailing community at lifeasleadership.com. You'll get a unique link and the opportunity to review your results. Both the assessment and review call are totally free. If you want to understand the how and why of your decision making, in order to more quickly get the results you want, the MindScan can be your next step to success. Once again, community at lifeasleadership.com. Now, on to today's interview. Our guest today is the founder of Boston Speaks and a public speaking coach at Harvard Business School. He's worked with speakers ranging from NFL players and three-star Michelin chefs to Fortune 500 CEOs and TEDx speakers. He's on a mission to help individuals become exceptional speakers and communicators. Here is Kit Peng. Kit, welcome to the podcast. Joshua, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I'm excited that you are here today, and i like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for this? I'm ready. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? My wife got a new book recently, and the name of the book is The Obstacle is the Way. And so for every leader, personally or professionally, there will always be obstacles along the way. And so I really believe it's knowing how we can rise when there are obstacles in our ways and not fall to them. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is... Brave, conscious, and... What's that word when people don't... don't, It's not too serious about themselves. That word, yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, yeah, lighthearted or like, yeah. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? What's in it for them? What book would you recommend to leaders? It's called Everybody Wins by Remax. It's the story behind Remax. At first, I did not want to read it. I was giving a keynote at, at, at Remax and I said, hey, take this book. And at first, I'm like, but I, I did want to get to know the company a little bit more. Oh, it's the best book I ever read. Everybody wins. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Sleep earlier. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? It is always better, I believe, to ask why. Just like a kid, like why? They're always asking why, 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 why? You know, so always ask the, the dumb and silly questions and ask why. Now, Kit, we are here today to talk about public speaking. And one of the things that we're really going to focus on today is how to become a master storyteller. There's so much communication that happens in leadership. And it's one thing to have a vision for your team or for your organization. But if you really can't create a strong narrative and a strong understanding for why that change or that vision is happening, then it can be hard to get people on board. And I'm excited to have you share with us today about how we can be a master storyteller and be better communicators in general. But before that, I'd love to hear from you how you got started in the world of public speaking. Yeah. And actually, when it comes to storytelling and public speaking, I remember, and I don't tell the story much. I don't think I ever said this on any podcast, but when I was younger, uh, I remember I went back to, to, I was born in Hong Kong and I came to, to Boston when I was six years old. And 10 years later, I went back to Hong Kong for like a family trip. And I remember I was there and my cousin said to me, Kit, why are you saying I don't know all of the time? Like it's, it's, it was like I had no opinion. And that was kind of how I was. I didn't really have an opinion. When people were to ask me, well, what do you think? Um, I would be like, well, what do you think? I didn't think that stories were something that I needed to tell. I didn't think I had any stories to begin with. I thought my life was mundane. Uh, I thought storytelling was for, you know, like public speakers, uh, presidents, movies, books, just like that. And so I got started in public speaking because I entered a public speaking competition one day in, in college. And that was when I felt like I was in the zone. I practiced so much in the moment. I felt that 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 moment where I've just felt so alive. I'm not sure if you felt it before, Joshua, but I wanted that moment more and more. And I wanted to help other people experience that moment as well. Mm. So is that moment something that when you are in the moment on the stage, all eyes on you, that's the moment you're talking about? Yes, but this happens more in everyday life too, because just like when you, when you are a good leader, or a storyteller or a speaker, you're able to be vulnerable. That's the moment that I'm talking about. For example, one of my friends, she was acting on stage and her belt came off and her clothes were about to drop. But, you know, she had her hands and she clipped onto the clothes. But in that moment, she never felt more alive. For some reason, in that moment, she just felt that she was present with the moment. She was being there with the audience, instead of performing with, for them, she was just actually there with them. The audience just reacted right away. And there was that mo that was her moment when she felt alive. Leaders can feel this way too. For example, uh, when they're in meetings and they just feel really alive, 
you know that the audience is connecting, they're connecting, they're being vulnerable. The audience knows that they're being vulnerable. So that's the moment that I'm talking about. It's that moment of being alive. What is your insight for how to develop those situations or do the preparation so that you can be in those situations? Because you mentioned meetings right there. That's one of those things a lot of people would rather have a lot fewer meetings because they can be really boring. What does it look like to be able to to lead and to perform so that you have that sense of being in the moment and that everyone else is connected to you in that moment as well. There was a uh, public speaking coach. I forgot who said this, but they were doing a class and I was listening online one day. And what they said was actually kind of true. So they had a bunch of speakers speak. And some of them were professional speakers. Some of them were first time speakers. And they said every single time it was the first time speakers who decided to speak up and they had the whole audience listen to them. And the reason I'm saying that is because sometimes, yes, we are polished. We do practice a lot. But even as leaders, sometimes if we feel like we are holding back, those are the moments when we're not being alive. So to get those moments faster, no matter how long you've been in at your game or in your field or your profession, when you're meeting with your people or you're talking in front of your audience, are you just being there that day? Are you are you you know being truthful to them and yourself of what exactly what's happening? Um, less about being perfect, more about just just being. I know we've all heard that before, but it is it's, it's less perfection, but more being. Now, talk to us a little bit about stories. I think that everyone who's listening would probably admit that stories are important and could probably give you a reason why that is. But sometimes the knowledge we think we have ends up keeping us from some deeper insight. So what what is it that makes stories so important, especially from a public speaking perspective? When it, when it comes to stories, it is scientifically proven when you are just in... in when you hear good stories, when you watch a good story, your brain just lights up more. There's more chemicals in the body that just releases. And so it makes you feel like you are living through someone else's life in the story. Uh, for example, Joshua, do you watch, uh, you watch Netflix? Every once in a while. Yeah. What, what, what was the last thing you watched? On Netflix, probably... It's been a while since I've watched anything on Netflix. I will say that the last thing that I streamed was actually a throwback. It was Magnum PI, the original 1980s one. Oh. <laughs> and, and yeah, right? Sometimes when you're watching the things that you love or a book that you read, you just can't help but want to watch it until it's over. And you don't even want to do work. You know, you don't want to wash dishes. You just want to consume it. And that's what a good story it, it really is at the end of the day. Uh, there's one thing that I always say. Storytelling is the most powerful state-of-the-heart technology that any humans can use. So especially with the coronavirus pandemic, there are a lot of people streaming, a lot of people watching probably way too much TV. If you have the opportunity as a leader or really as anyone to get people's attention as effectively as that, you want to know. So when it comes to formulating good stories, what is the key or what are some of the things that people need to be thinking about in order that when they begin to tell a story, people zero in and are paying attention to you? Yeah. And that's a great question. Actually, before I answer that, Joshua, what do you think about storytelling or stories in general? I think stories are great. I agree with you that when people begin telling a story, uh, especially when someone is speaking in public, if you're not paying attention, someone says this one time something happened and all of a sudden 
everyone's ears perk up. They're they're paying a whole lot more attention whenever stories begin to be told. And we all use stories all of the time. Uh, so there's one thing, you know, when it, when we talked about the structure of the story, I want to get into that a little bit l- later, but I want, let me answer this first. I'm going to go back to Netflix just a little bit. Um, my wife and I, we were... We just started watching Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. This is the new one. So we forgot what happened in season one and two. So what did we have to do? We had to go on YouTube and watch a recap of season one and two. Okay? I'm going to just break down two types of stories just really quickly. One is a recap story. These are for informational purposes. You know how sometimes when people say five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, ten days ago. Okay? Just like a recap to season one or two, you don't want that to be extra long. It's just for informational purposes. You don't really get sucked in into the story when it's five years ago and then three years and then two years. You know, this is like a timeline. When you're reading the book or when you're watching Netflix, do you notice they go through the whole entire show or book, 45 minutes, an hour, the whole movie, two hours, the whole book, and you don't want to put it down because it's that good. So, Recap story versus a situational story, okay? So when when you're getting into a situational story, you can also think of it this way. When when a friend is telling you about a bad date or you're telling a friend about a bad date, it's like, hey, you know, when you're telling someone, let's say a bad date, it's like, hey, man, I I, I was there at 7 o'clock and this person did not even show up until 30 minutes later, the nerd, you know, you get into the situation so much, yeah, you relive it again. So recap stories versus situational stories. This is one of the biggest problems that people have when they tell um, stories. Sometimes they go too much into recap stories, and they need to learn how to get into situational stories better. Does that make any sense, Joshua? It does make sense. And one of the things that I think would be helpful for me to get a little bit more insight on is how to differentiate between the recap and the situational because it seems like if you're telling your friend about a date in some ways that's a bit of a recap but how would you how would you recommend that people begin thinking about these two in a way that they can really differentiate them and not begin to bore people with too many details yeah then let me break that down for you Joshua can I use you as an example go for it do you I, I'm just using the quickest way to get a story do you remember the last time you had a bad experience, maybe with customer service or maybe at a restaurant? You know, honestly, I can't. People have been a lot better these days with coronavirus for whatever reason. And I can't really think of too many bad... You need, I take that back. I can. Yes, I can remember the last time. Okay. What is it? <laughs> Tell me. So I was at a Chick-fil-A and for the first time ever, I was trying to explain something and it was just like getting blank stares, like no help, which surprised me because Chick-fil-A is known for their great customer service and I was shocked. Got it. Wait, wait, what were you trying to explain? You were trying to ask them something or, or what? Yeah, their app had messed up and I was trying to explain something on my order and I was just getting getting no help from them. Sounds good. Okay. Now, let me break this down into more of a full story. When did this happen? It was probably about a week and a half or two weeks ago. Okay, so a week and a half and two weeks ago, you were in at Chick-fil-A and you were trying to explain something because your app broke down, right? Yeah. The first part of a story, there's always a time and a place, okay? Even if you don't mention it, it's like, hey, man, like a long time ago or two weeks ago, you were at Chick-fil-A. And so time and a place, okay? And then you get into the situation. The sit- so the situation is you were trying to explain something because the app was broken down, Okay. 
Now, this is the difference between explaining something and, and it having go into a story. Just I'm, I'm using Netflix as an example or books. When it is a story, you start telling other people what you were thinking about the situation or you start telling other people about what people were saying or doing about the situation at hand, okay? So let's say your app is broken down. You could have said, oh, man, this guy is giving me so much you know, bad service. He was just looking at me, and he, you know, he was so busy. It seems like he doesn't even want to be here in the first place. And I was so, you know, you start telling people what was going on in your mind, and then you started describing your experience about the situation, okay? You started talking about, your, 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 you know, in the story, it's talking about the feelings behind the situation that's going on. So you see how this kind of stacks? It's kind of the time and place. Yeah. A situation happens, but this story, you know, just like just like um, guilty or not guilty, well, there's always two sides of it. And that's why it's a story. Because from your side, the app broke down. And then you explain your side. Well, from his side, you know, he might be so busy, he doesn't even care about your app. He has to get the next customer. So then he breaks the, you know, now we talk to about, hmm, what's the feeling or how do we, what's, what are our actions and feeling behind the situation at hand? So just to recap that, time and a place, can you describe the situation and then describe what you're thinking, what you're feeling, the actions or actions you did not take based off of how you were feeling? Does that all make sense? It does. Absolutely. So, so here's the difference, Joshua. When you tell a story... I like to talk about the difference between the arts and business speaking. Let's say when I say arts, I mean like, let's say poetry or any, or let's say dance, or you go into a museum. Sometime in the arts world, if you don't explain what the art is about, the audience might never ever get the meaning of it. You might have been to a dance performance over and over and you see people dance, but you're like, what the heck? Do those moves or those body movements actually mean, right? Because maybe sometimes they didn't explain it. Or you go to a museum, it's like, what does that painting represent? You don't really know. You just have to figure it out by yourself. You 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 go to an art event because for the you know for the artistic reason. Same thing like a poetry slam. If a person says the word green, you might just snap your finger and say, Hey, go on, go on. What is that green? You know. Hmm. So the business world, if you say the word green, no matter how good you say the word green, people are going to be like, what the heck does that have to do with us? In the business world, you have to explain and say out loud, what does it mean for your audience? So let's say you told your story about Chick-fil-A, okay? Bad customer service. The app broke down. If you're talking about leadership, you could have gave that story and then said, hey, as a leader... Your, your customers are your teammates. How often are they coming to you with frustrations, but you're on the other side thinking, I got so much work to do. I don't have time for you, even if your stuff is broken down. You see how you want to connect the dots there, Joshua? Absolutely. Use a sentence or two, boom, that's it, and connect the dots. And so when it comes to these situational stories, are there other things that we need to think about besides just making sure that we have the time, place, the situation, and then really explaining our thinking, feelings, and actions in order to connect it better with the audience? They asked Adele once, uh, the singer Adele, how, how, how would she know if her song is going to be a big hit or not? And she said when she's writing the songs that she thinks will go you know, viral, 
she says when she's writing it, she actually cries a little bit because emotionally she's attached. I'm not saying for you know for people to cry when you're telling your stories, but when you're telling a story, if you have no emotional attachment to it, your audience will have no emotional attachment to it. Because if you told that story about Chick Fil A and it really makes you angry or fires you up, or there's something about it, and when you tell it to your audience in a meeting or a phone call or or, or public speaking situation, your audience will feel it too. As an example, many people that might be listening, I want to ask you this: When you're creating your PowerPoint presentations, what are you feeling? If you are feeling like you just have to make a slide after another slide, then that's what your audience will be feeling. So, on top of you know the time situation, the feeling, the actions, it's really asking yourself: uh, When I'm making this talk, or when I'm coming up with this meeting agenda, what am I actually feeling? If it's nothing, if it's boring. Your audience will feel the same way. Now, another thing that I want to ask you is how you can figure out what to develop into stories from your life. What experiences can you turn into quality stories? How can you begin to find stories in your life? Because a lot of people look at their lives and say, uh, my, my life isn't that interesting. You look at other people and you say, wow, look at all the things they've done. But you look at your own life and sometimes say, I'm not really doing that much. There's not a lot of stories to tell. And yet, you asked me a question. You said, when's the last time that I experienced bad customer service? And you were able to begin talking about how to formulate a story through that. So there are a lot of things in our lives that may seem mundane that we can turn into stories. At the same time, you also asked me about a time that I experienced dissatisfaction. So it's, it's not just a normal day in the life of Josh Friedman. What are some things that we can begin thinking about in order to pluck stories out of our lives? Actually, Joshua, when, when you tell stories, what do you think about yourself as a storyteller? What do you mean by that? So do you think you always had good stories or did you learn how, how to tell stories? Or do, you, or do you think you don't have stories? I, I think I do. I think that, well, oftentimes when I tell stories, it comes up in the course of conversation. So it's not necessarily things that I'm planning on telling, but based on the relevance of whatever me and friends are talking about, a story comes to mind and then I'll share it. You know, and, and, and you know, that's a great valid point. And that's why sometimes when people, when they get into public speaking or, you know, more serious situations, they might feel like the same exact thing that you might be talking about. Is it relevant to the thing at hand, right? And so the best question that we should be asking ourselves is, if we don't think we have stories is, why do we think that our life is mundane? Why do we think we don't have stories? Is it because you think that you're boring? Because if you think you're boring, then you might be a little bit boring. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, all the great speakers, they take the most mundane stories and they make it exciting. A, a story is a person's life experiences. That's it. Uh, they don't have to be a bad experience. You don't have to go to prison. You don't have to break your leg. It could be just a normal day. Here's an example. Every single day when I walk out my door, I see my neighbor. So at my, my townhouse is kind of like a, a, a U. And this neighbor, he's a kid. He's like 13 years old. And every single time I leave my door, do you know what I see him doing? What's that? Walking that U. And he's, make, he's working up a sweat every single day. I'm like, uh, and when I come back, I still see him walking. He has his Walkman on, working up a sweat. And every single time I see him, 
I'm like, man, I need to work as hard as he is. Right? Now, that could be a mundane situation to him. It is a mundane situation to everyone else. He's just walking and, and exercising. But you know how you buy something and after you buy something, you notice that other people have similar things? That's the same thing with storytelling. Once you start noticing your life or other people's other people's stories or other people's experiences, you, you start to see all these stories formulating. But the first thing that you have to do if you want to become a better storyteller, don't care about how bad or how good the story is. Just start telling stories. It's like riding a bicycle. You can't get good at it if you just look at the bike and don't do anything. If you were to create an exercise for anyone listening to this podcast that would help them create a good story based on something they've experienced today, whatever today is for them, what would you recommend them to do? We've already talked about identifying the time, place, the situation, and then the thinking, feelings, and actions. But is there any recommendation that you could give to people to help them form a story based on their everyday life? I will say there's a method. It's called the PREP method, P-R-E-P. And this is attach yourself to a story, but this is a great communication tool. And Joshua, I'm going to try to get you to use it, okay? So P stands for point. That means your opinion. R stands for reason. E stands for example, which is the story. And P stands for point. So prep. Point, reason, example, point. Okay? So Joshua, I want you to give me a topic to talk about. And then I just want to go through it, and then I want you to go through it. How does that sound? Give me any topic. Mm. All right, how about uh, sheltering in place? Sheltering in place. I think it's one of the best things to do to stay inside and not go outside when the coronavirus is here. The reason is, the more that you go outside, the more that, you know, if you have coronavirus, you can, you know, get other people to have it. And of course, you don't want to have it yourself. I remember just two weeks ago, uh, my wife and I were deciding, oh, hey, should we go out to the park and, and exercise? Uh, you know, uh, this is when the coronavirus in Boston is just becoming really, really big. And so one of the things that we were just talking about for like hours, hey, man, should we go outside? You know, no one's going to be in the park or maybe there's people going to be in the park. Uh, but the thing was, we, we knew it was best to, you know, since it was so big at this time, just to stay inside. And we worked out inside. And here's the thing. When we worked out inside, we actually had a blast that we never had before because we usually don't work, you know, out inside. So we, we, we noticed something new that we started doing in our life. So even sheltering and being at home, you can even discover something new that you haven't discovered before. So not only does it help other people stay safe, you might discover something new about something in your life that you never even thought about. So, Joshua, one thing I do want to say about stories, stories always have to attach itself to a point at the end of the day. Because in the business world, if it's just a story, people will say, what the heck is your point? Okay? If I just told that story about my wife staying at the house, that's good. But again, if you attach a point to it, it'll become a lot more memorable. So I went from, I gave my opinion, I just gave a reason, and then the example, all you have to do is just say the other day. That's it. The, the, most, the simplest exercise, just say the other day on top of the point you're trying to get across. That's good. You want to try that? 
just really quickly or no? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, coffee. Coffee. Coffee is a delicious beverage that makes the day better for anyone who's drinking it. The reason for this is because more than the caffeine, it just provides that daily comfort. And especially if you have quality coffee, just a reminder of the good things in life at the beginning of the day. An example of this is right now, as we are having this interview, I have a cup of coffee next to me and I've been drinking it as we've been having this interview. And it's a great way to remember the good and simple things in life. So the point is, coffee is worth drinking and brings a reminder of the simple things and the good things in life to you each morning. Yeah, that's it, Joshua. Yeah, boom, that's it. To the audience, it sounds like coffee is a great thing. And people probably loved it when they when they heard you say, hey, you have coffee right next to you right now. So before we finish up, one thing that I want to turn to real quick, Kit, is a few recommendations that you might have to people who can connect with this idea of storytelling and maybe have been inspired by how to create stories from their own lives. But when they get up in front of an audience, they still start to freak out a little bit. Do you have any just quick recommendations on how people can begin to feel more comfortable on stage and to maybe even understand why they get scared easily or why they begin to get scared when they're in front of people? Yeah, just four quick reasons why people get scared uh, when talking in front of a lot of people. One is because... There's no task mastery, okay? You don't do it enough. If you want to get better at riding a bicycle, get on the bicycle. Stop watching a YouTube video or reading articles. Get on the bike and start riding it. Same thing with public speaking. Get more opportunities. But at the same time you do more opportunities, take more risk each time. So if you're just speaking to, let's say, direct reports who report to you and you're super comfortable, and you speak in front of those people every single time, the risk is very low. You need to increase your chances, uh, your risk, and maybe speak to higher management more so you get that feeling and you get to be aware of that feeling. The second reason why people get scared of public speaking is because it's high stakes. It's high stakes in your mind, but it's probably low stakes in everyone, everyone else's mind. My yoga teacher said, uh, when you're stuck in your head, you're dead. And it's high stakes because you're stuck in your head. The third reason why people get scared of speaking is because they don't know how to control their adrenaline. Uh, it's not the adrenaline that makes us scared. It's we get flustered when we get that adrenaline. Uh, Olympians, they need adrenaline to help them lift 10 times more. As speakers, you need the adrenaline to give yourself and your audience that energy. The fourth reason why people get scared of speaking, this might sound funny, but it's in your DNA. Uh, for example, there are actually types of do breeds of dogs that are more nervous than other breeds of dogs. It's actually the same thing in humans. You know, it's in your DNA, but of course, it's also how you, you know, how you're growing up and the people that you're surrounding yourself with. So, quick four reasons. Thanks for that, Kit. Uh, any final thoughts that you have before we end today's interview, either of things that you think are important to reiterate from our conversation, or something that we maybe just didn't get a chance to talk about yet? Yeah, I would say most of the leaders that I work with, they work really hard. Earlier, I said, go to sleep earlier. That is one of the best ways to become a better leader because we all know the, the more clear that you can focus, the more clear that you can speak and lead. So if you get those two extra hours in, you can be a better leader and storyteller way faster. Well, Kit, thank you for being on the show today. Is there anywhere that you would like for people to go to find out more about you and the work that you do? Yeah, they can go to bostonspeaks.com. All right, Kit, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Joshua, thank you so much.
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kit today, and I hope you feel more prepared to tell stories effectively, but also to draw stories from your everyday life in a way that's compelling and supports what you're looking to do on your team or in your organization. Now, let's go ahead and go to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. When you are creating your PowerPoint or really any other type of presentation, what are you feeling? Because if you're feeling nothing, your audience will probably feel the same thing. Make sure that you're putting feeling into your presentation because when you put feeling into it, your audience is going to feel the same. The second key takeaway is the prep method. That is, when you're developing a story, have these four pieces. First of all, your point. Second of all, your reason. Third, your example. And fourth, once again, your point. That's point, reason, example, and point. Stories always have to attach themselves to a point, especially in the business world. And the final key takeaway is this, coffee. Coffee is a good reminder of the simple, good things in life. But whether you're a coffee drinker or not, be sure to take advantage of those nice, simple things that remind you that life is good. Now, I hope you'll join us once again for our second episode later this week, where we're going to be talking with someone who's worked with many, many, many brands in the past, and she's going to give us some insight on how we can think about positioning ourselves so that we can make more of an impact with those that we want to reach. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button to make sure that you're getting these episodes every single week, and I especially hope that you'll be back later this week. Until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.